Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. As usual, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor catching you up on a wild, wild week week and a half, week or so, something like that. A lot of MLS games have gone on since we have last talked with playoffs and a lot of upsets, a lot of crazy nonsense as always, and we are here to catch you up on all of it. So thanks again so much for tuning in, and like I said, it's been a little less than a week since we've last talked. Connor and Josh, I know we had, we recorded on Friday last week, uh, we had Thanksgiving, but Connor wasn't with us. So Connor, it's been like a year since we've talked to you. How has the past, it's been a week, but two weeks actually. Um, how's the past two weeks been treating you? How is school going? I Are you almost slash are you done with the semester? Yes, I was not here last week because I had an essay due that night, which was worth 40% of my grade and I started it the night before. Um, so I'm being nice and prepared as always, uh, but I had to work on that during the day. So unfortunately, wasn't able to make it. Ended up getting it in like 40 minutes before the due date due deadline. So, you know, we, we got it in. Um, but yeah, I have one more day of classes uh, next Monday and then one exam on December 14th. So we are wrapping it up. Handed in my practicum yesterday, um, which felt good. 25-minute documentary. Uh, follow that practicum instagram account by the way you can follow it at a break in the ice on instagram um we will be showing it for a limited time on friday night uh it'll be up for 24 or 48 hours and then we're pulling it again uh down so we could potentially sell it well you will see um but that is our goal who knows if it'll actually happen we're very proud of it though uh so yeah, it's been a very busy couple of weeks with school and stuff, but we've sort of gotten to the end. Um, and yeah, not much else to update other than a lot of TFC stuff happened while I was away. Uh, and you guys talked about it, and Josh tried to defend Ali Curtis, which was very dumb. Uh, but, you know, is what it is. Speaking of Josh, you have a... Very odd hairstyle tonight, which none of the viewers can see. So apart from your hairstyle, how are you doing? Uh, I was fine. I was fine until we started recording. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so much to say, Connor. All right. For, first of all, first off, this is not the first time I've worn my hair like this that we've done yes, a podcast. It record- no, it's not. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Okay. For context... 
Josh looks like Cindy Lou Who. That's right also now. not true. I wish I looked like Cindy Lou Who because then I would be amazing at styling my hair that way. But no, it's just just a, a little little poof. Yeah, my hair has gotten so long that if I didn't have it up right now, it'd be like touching my face, and I'd be like, like constantly running my hand through my hair trying to keep it back. So, no, that's that's not. It's not really not that big a deal. And then also, ask Cincinnati fans how they would feel if they had the last three years that Toronto experienced with Ali Curtis as their GM. Just saying. Yeah, uh, look, I'm not trying to say Toronto has had it the worst, but. I wouldn't be the first one to defend Mr. Curtis, especially in regards to his roster moves. Hey, but you're you're not hey. the first one to defend him. It's me. No. Um, also, I did not defend like his roster moves per se. I said he did a good job with Pasuelo, which he did, and then I said he didn't do a good job with Soteldo, which he didn't. And then I said yeah. the real mistake he made was hiring Chris Harmus because everything was fine before that. And giving Omar Gonzalez over a million dollars. And bringing in Erickson Gallardo for 350 k I mean, yeah, those are not good moves. However, you did need a center back at the time, and Gonzalez did help you down the stretch run to get into MLS Cup Final, which many teams have not even made it that far. So, while Ali Curtis made a fatal mistake and is paying for it, I do think he had some good moments, and therefore I was surprised at his uh, parting of ways until I found out that Bob Bradley was also becoming the GM to which I pointed out, Hey, that makes sense. But anyway, my week was fine. I'm really exhausted. Started a new job this week. So I'm getting used to adjusting to that schedule. Um, Doing what? Working at UPS actually. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Just, uh, Getting, I, my aunt did it for the Canadian post, which is like Canada's sort of mail system. It's really hard work, like really hard work. So I sympathize. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, working in the warehouse. So I, I have to be, I'm, I'm helping load things in the morning. So I'm, I have to be there at six 30 in the morning. So that's why it's, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Which obviously means I thankfully I only live 15 minutes from the warehouse, so my my drive is easy and I can wake up and roll out of bed and get out of there. But it's uh, yeah, like I said, I, I'm I'm having to adjust right now. I only started this week, so my body is is like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing to uh, what are you doing to us right now? Other than that, though, uh, yeah, I guess nothing crazy. I feel like I'll probably remember some stuff. I went to uh, the Kennesaw State playoff game on Saturday. And uh, that was something. <laughs> Kennesaw won like 45 to 28. They're pretty good. And uh, they, this is like the fourth year in a row they've made the playoffs or something. But because it was the two days after Thanksgiving, there were no students at the game because it was still Thanksgiving break. And so there, the student section was a ghost town, except for the band. So the actual atmosphere of the game was not very good, but... The team played well. And then, uh, yeah, other than that, I guess not too much happened for me this week. Drew, some big things coming for you. Some travel coming up now that UGA has uh, clinched their spot into the SEC Championship and like 99.9% clinched a spot in the playoff Final Four. 
So where are you traveling? And then what is the big thing that's happening in the next couple of weeks as to why your setup is different, even though only we can see that? Yes. Yeah. The listeners cannot see my disgusting room, but yes, probably by the time this comes out, I will be about two weeks away from graduating college or less than two weeks away from wonderfully getting out of school. So that is exciting, nerve wracking all in the same time, but super excited about that. Oh yes. I got a soundboard. A little late on that, but we got there. We got it. We got it. We're still learning. Um, but yes, so that's in a couple of weeks. Uh, excited about that. And yes, traveling. I will super lucky. I will be in Mercedes-Benz Stadium this Saturday in Atlanta. After I was in Atlanta last weekend to watch Georgia and Georgia Tech, I'll be back in Atlanta for the SEC championship against Alabama. Um, so that's really exciting. Pumped about that. And then like New Year's Eve will be the next Georgia game. And I will hopefully either be in Dallas or Miami for that, watching a semifinal game. And then after that, if they keep winning, hopefully we'll be in Indianapolis in January. But that is in a month, so not too worried about that. But yeah, with that comes a lot of busyness, but really cool stuff. Um, We are working on getting to Atlanta. It's in two days now. And you guys can imagine, it's just like it's a whole different ball game being a championship game. So there's a whole lot of different hoops we have to jump through. But we're jumping, and we're going to make it. So I'm super pumped about that. Besides that, I am almost done with school, I think. I finished one class, essentially, the other day. Uh, I have one class. I turn in my final assignment tomorrow night. Um, I just need to write, like, 300 more words, so that's pretty good. And then I think on Monday I'll be done with classes, and then I'll just chill do football stuff for the next couple weeks. And then wrap up school, and then the job search will continue. But, yes, it's been a busy couple weeks, but it's been a fun couple weeks. Uh, Christmas is almost here, so semester is almost over. So super pumped about that. We'll see what happens with Georgia. We will see what happens with school. Have you made any grant on job searches? You know, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I have an interview scheduled with Clemson University, which, Connor, I doubt you. Do you know what that is? Do you know what Clemson is? Yes, I know, I know what Clemson is. Yeah, Clemson. nice. Yeah, I They're a, like the orange paw, right? Yeah, yeah that's all you need to know. Bingo, that is Clemson. That's actually their, their team name, the Clemson Orange Paw. Yeah, I assume it's Tigers. The yes, powerful it paws. It would be fun See, if they were the Clemson Orange Paw. I think that would actually be a really cool name. That would be hilarious. And you see, my I know sports. Uh, college sports, very, very little, but I do know something. So That is good. I also know that the insanity that has been the college football coaching scene has been oh my absurd. Mm-hmm. It's been a fun time, man. It has been a fun time in the South, but yes. So that is my weekly job update brought to you by Fansided. So, <laughs> yes. Hey, if you want a job... We are still looking for a site head at MLS Multiplex, so uh, consider it if you haven't already, uh, which I know both of you really want to do that. Um, but Josh, have you figured out the answer to the question that I we I asked you before we started recording regarding Daniel Lovitz and Atlanta United? Yeah, he never was signed or selected by Atlanta United. I think he might have been getting confused. He was with Toronto at the time, and he was selected by New York City FC. 
in the expansion draft, and then immediately reacquired by Toronto in exchange for allocation money. So that might be what you were thinking of. Yes, that is definitely what I was thinking of. And who was it again? Dan. Who Who? what? Did they trade to get? No, it was just for allocation money. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. See, the I best, knew he the was best MLS in. player there is. <laughs> yes. Uh, which we'll get into allocation money in a second, but we need to start with North Americans abroad. And there's only one thing to talk about this week because it's big news and a big rumor as Josh shakes his head. Jonathan David is being linked to Liverpool. Uh, reportedly, they're very interested in him. Uh, we are looking for around a $29.5 million fee. So, we could very, very possibly be looking at Jonathan David in the Premier League on the second to best team, probably in the Prem ish. Um, there's, there's three that are very easily in their own level, and then there's the rest of the league, and Liverpool are definitely in that three. So, yeah. Uh, so we'll see whether or not that comes to fruition. That would be really cool. Um, but would it? Yeah. Why wouldn't it be cool? Who's their striker right now? Bobby Firmino. What does he do? What do you mean? What does he do? What does he do? Plays soccer. What? (laughs) What? Yeah. All right. Like, but but think about it. Is Jonathan David going to be a false nine? Is that what he's going to do for Liverpool? Very possibly. I'll I'll be honest. Uh, it's exciting for him to be going to a Premier League team. I just don't know how he would fit in at Liverpool. I- I'm being serious. I mean, would they use him as like a like a winger, like a Mane, uh, Salah type player? Because I just don't see him playing the same role as Firmino. I mean, maybe he has that in his bag and we just haven't seen it, but that, that fit to me is slightly odd, but exciting he nonetheless. He is capable of... See? Uh, I wish my hair looked like her. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> for for context, Drew just sent a picture to our Slack chat of Cindy Luhu and Josh, and I have to say it is quite similar. It's uh, not even close. I, I wish it looked thing. like her. The top poof thing, yes. I need a lot more hair for this. Well, yes, but it's there's elements to it. Let's Put it that way. I, I think we know what the episode name for this is going to be. Uh, Cindy Lou Who. Josh, Josh Lou Who. J- Josh Lou Who. That's even better. Um, but, yeah. So we'll see whether or not Jonathan David ends up at Liverpool. He's been linked to Inter Milan as well. Um, and I think there are other couple clubs sniffing around. But he's definitely not with Lille come the end of January. Uh, there's no physical way. They need all the money they can get. So enjoy his time while he is there. Uh, he's gotten player of the month for Lille three months in a row, uh, if that doesn't tell you how well he's doing. But let's dive into MLS because there's a lot of news to get to. Uh, and Josh is tired because he's getting up at 6.30 in the morning every day. Let's start with the news that broke today as we are recording this. Nico Estevez hired as Dallas's new head coach. He served as an assistant to U.S. soccer with Berhalter since, I think, he's 2019. Uh, He's also coached multiple Dallas players like Pepe, Ferreira, uh, Paxton Pomichol, Chris Richards, who's now at Bayern, Reggie Cannon. Um, He was also with 
the Columbus Crew. Yes. When? Uh, twenty eighteen ish. I don't know when he was with Columbus Crew. Whenever, whenever Burhalter was there. Whenever Burhalter was there. Uh, so he's got a history with Burhalter, but he's getting a head coaching gig. And subsequent move. I'm blanking on their former coach's name. Luchi Gonzalez. Luchi Gonzalez, thank you, is taking over his position on the U.S. Men's National Team. So they are quite literally swapping positions. What do you boys think about Dallas hiring Nico Estevez and Luchi Gonzalez taking the assistant role with the U.S. Men's National Team? I'm excited for Gonzalez to be with the U.S. Men's National Team. There were some initial kind of um, guesses that he may end up with the U.S. men's soccer program as a youth coach. Uh, and he's obviously got tons of experience being with Dallas's academy before getting the first team job. But he's landed with the first team, the United States men's national team. So I'm excited about that. Um, as for Estevez, I, I'm indifferent to the hire only because, to me, the problem with Dallas lies with their front office and player recruitment. Um, they've never been short of talent. You know, we obviously know about how amazing their academy is. It's the DPs. It's the TAM signings, um, especially from abroad, that have really hurt Dallas over the last few years. Really, really hurt. Um, even in their list of uh, their end-of-season roster moves, I think two of their DPs were... <laughs> We're on that list. That tells you anything. And then again, a few more TAM signings that they had to let go. So to me, until the front office is fixed, it doesn't really matter who the coach is. But hopefully I'm proved wrong. I mean, it would be great to see all these young, talented players like see some tangible success in MLS, especially before they move on to um, to greater things abroad. So I'm, I'm a bit indifferent on the Estevez hiring. Yeah, I think I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I just totally had a burp right there. That was horrible timing. Um, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think when you think about Dallas, it was for a while it was always a team that was pretty good but just couldn't get the job done in the playoffs, and now it's just what they finished. They were toward the very bottom of the Western Conference table. And Dallas, I think Dallas supporters are – at some point, I think it probably just gets really frustrating talking about how good your academy is and you don't have a trophy to show for it. So it's a very good, kind of linking to what Josh was talking about with the front office, it's a very well-ran club, but it's not a very well-ran team. That all these moves are going in and out, they're making a lot of money off of it, it looks great. Um, the social media is phenomenal, so everything about that is wonderful, but the product on the field is really bad. So hopefully this will help with that because I know at some point you just have to... I mean, only a good academy can only go so far when you're sending all these players away, which I know is good for the league, and that's a part of the league that we want to see continue to grow and improve as young players coming into the league, getting sold to Europe for these really big-time clubs. MLS teams making a lot of profit off of that, kind of repeating the process. Um, we've seen it with you know, Vancouver with Alfonso Davies. We've seen it in Atlanta with Miguel Maron, and Dallas has been probably the leader of this, and we're seeing it even more with Philadelphia, Red Bulls, and everything like that. But the thing those clubs really have, except Vancouver, is that they actually have a trophy to show for it. So I think that's the next step in this whole process is continuing the homegrown development, but also being a competitive team year in and year out because Dallas has not done that recently. 
you, Josh, you mentioned his impact on the U.S. men's national team, um, and I brought up a couple of the players, but do you think that this will have an impact on Pepe potentially moving on in the winter? Uh, you mean in the sense that they're hiring a new coach? In the sense that he has a relationship with Pepe and could potentially convince him to stay for another year? Uh, not necessarily. I, I think that, I mean, if I'm Ricardo Pepe, it doesn't matter who the coach is. If, you know, so-and-so team wants me and I think I'm ready to move abroad, it's going to happen. Um, in terms of, you know, trying to keep him and what he can do to sort of recruit him and convince him to stay, I, I don't know how the players feel. But again, if, I, if I'm one of those guys, I'm thinking, you know, we have talent we're missing pieces and a coach isn't going to change that. Uh, but I don't know, you know, I don't know where his head is at in terms of, you know, I don't know how the players view their team, but obviously from the outside looking in, you know, we've all made that observation that Dallas has missed those important signings and it's holding them back until they figure that sort of thing out. So if I'm a player and I feel that way, then it's, I mean, doesn't matter who the coach is unless that coach is Pep Guardiola if it's Pep Guardiola, then I think I'm. I think I might stay, and I think <laughs> Guardiola might be making a move to MLS in a couple years, according to our good friend Chris Smith. He reported today uh, with some sources that, uh, as of right now, the plan is for Pep Guardiola to take over NYCFC after finishing his contract at Man City for the 2023 season. This is obviously very early in the process. We, what are you going to say, Connor? Did you see the follow-up report he had in the t- next tweet? Yes, which is why I don't think this is going to happen. Or I, I still don't think that part's going to happen. So apparently the, the move is supposed to occur in line with a new stadium. But as we all know, that has been so start-stop for years and years and years. And... Just in the last six months, I think it was reported that NYCFC, I mean, it got to a vote and then that vote got shut down over parking spaces. So I don't really know if they will ever end up getting a stadium. And you know what? I mean, imagine trying to build a sporting stadium in New York City where real estate is literally a premium and rent is through the roof. So I don't know that they'll be able to swing it and kind of make that all line up, but it would be extremely impressive if they did. Um, by the way, I just want to say this now, if Guardiola comes to MLS, never mind. I don't want to say it. I will say this. I am skeptical of him having success in MLS. I will say that I would love to see him. Are you kidding me? I would love to see him try to make a team as good as his previous teams within the constraints of the MLS roster rules. I would love. I would love to see him try. Y- you want to prove to me that Guardiola is the best coach of all time? Let's see him coach in MLS. I-, I hope. I hope he views it as as much of a challenge as I view it as a challenge for him because yeah. it will be really fun. So you're just going to ignore the fact that he's one of the best managers of all time. He's coached so many legends that will be older. Say, I don't know. He coached Barcelona, right? What What are you saying right now? What kind of a question is that? I'm blanking. I know yeah. he coached Bayern. 
All right, you can't you can't come up you can't come at me like that when I literally have all these Barcelona books over here on my bookshelf, and I I think that Pep Guardiola's Barcelona is literally the greatest soccer team of all time ever. Like no one can top that, and people have been who trying played, for years and they never hey, will. Hey, who played for that Barca team? Messi. A lot, a lot of people. Contract. You want me to go down the list? Samuel, Samuel Etu, uh, uh, Thierry Henry, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, Xavi, Andres Iniesta, Gerard Piquet, Jordi Alba, Danny Alves. I could go on and on. You want me to keep going? Okay. Who's shown an interest in coming to MLS? I mean, I think you're trying to go with Messi here, but I don't think... Oh, man. Do you really think... Messi... Ah, oh, dude. Okay. <laughs> You know, what were the rumors? What were the rumors? On, he was going to go to, he was going to go to Manchester City. After three years, he was then going to go to MLS with NYCFC. You, you guys know that old story, that old Native American tale about how there are two wolves inside you, and you can either feel like feed the the wolf with greed, or you can feed the wolf with like you know like the good wolf. There are two wolves inside of me. One that wants to see Lionel Messi playing in MLS, and then one that sees Lionel Messi playing in MLS on a baseball field. Give me, give me Lionel Messi at Yankee yes. Stadium under Pep Guardiola. Give it to me. <laughs> I, I think he will do very, very, very well in MLS. Not only because he's an exponentially better coach than anybody who's ever come to this league, uh, but also because he will be able to attract so much talent, it is not even funny. And that team will be absurdly good uh, because so many players will want to go back and play with him, hopefully. But, Drew, we haven't heard from you in a while. What do you think about Pep to NYCFC? I think the recruiting aspect of it is tough because there's only so much he can do. It's not like he can bring in 10 DPs unless he's playing, unless he's the managing Inter-Miami. So, who, hey, no, 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 no. Who says he has to pay them DP money? Who says they don't want to just play in a New York City? Usually the um, players. A TAM deal, you're not going to convince these world-class players. Like, yeah. come to NYCFC on a TAM deal or live in Paris and make bajillions of dollars and play on a baseball field and then travel to Vancouver on a Wednesday and then Colorado on a Sunday and back on a baseball field, and then you gotta go to Mexico because you won champion, you won the cup. I, I don't, I don't even want to see Pep Guardiola coaching big names in MLS. I want to see him coaching people like Ben Sweat and Morris Alfredo in Morales. Give Pep and Aiden yeah, Morris. G- G- Gideon Zelalem. Like, give me all these like has been scrubs that are already on the NYCFC team. Like, I would love to see them under under Pep. That would be hilarious. What could he? What could he do with? Uh, Castellanos. Well, we're about to find out when Castellanos signs with Man City in the next six months. All right, let's transition (laughs) because Castellanos was named to the MLS Best 11, along with Turner, quite obviously, Yamar Gomez, Miles Robinson, Walker Zimmerman, uh, Hani Mukhtar, Carles Heel, Jao Paolo, uh, Gustavo Bo. Raul Ruiz Diaz, and second on under 22, young comer, young player of the year, Tajon Buchanan. And if you didn't notice, the winner of the young player of the year didn't make the list for the best 11. 
Well, yeah, that's because Taj and Buchanan doesn't belong in the best 11, but it's fine. Yes, but he made it. So I find it quite amusing that he was named to the MLS best 11, even though Demir Krylak definitely should have been in this place. <laughs> Over Ricardo Pepe uh, is all I will say. Not, no follow-up to that? Nothing? I, I agree. I mean, I think it should have been Krylock instead of Buchanan. Uh, I'm fine with the rest of the list. And I, I'm not mad that Buchanan's in there. I mean, I feel like he deserves that kind of recognition. But yeah, I mean, when you look down at like the numbers and everything, uh, I, I will say there's one problem I have with this best 11, and that's, a, and that's that there are only five teams represented. <laughs> that That's weird to me. It's also weird to me that there are only three Western Conference players in here, and they're all from Seattle. Like, you're, you're telling me you couldn't get a Rapids <laughs> player in there, you couldn't get a, a Sporting Kansas City player in there? And and people want to tell me that the Western Conference is better? Like, literally all the Western Conference coaches and players keep saying that the West is better. And yet there's only three of them, and they're all from the same team. Okay, there should be four, all right? In fairness, there should be four. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's fine. But, like, it's just weird to me that there's only so many players represented. I feel like... And, and you know, it's it's not um, it's not the responsibility of the media to make sure it's a really diversified best 11, right? That's not it's not their job to do that. It's their job to pick who they think the best 11 is. And that's, you know, who it's going to be. But yeah, it just it just struck me as odd. I mean, Miles Robinson is the only player. Well, no, uh, Castellanos and Miles Robinson are the only players as the only single players from their teams. And even then, it's just it's just weird to me. It just looks weird. Drew, you worked for one of the teams who had two players on this list. So what do you think of it? I am over the moon that Hani Mukhtar is getting the recognition he deserves. I think people assume Nashville is just a really boring team that just plays defense, but he's tearing it up. I mean, because they are. Candidate. Walker Zimmerman, I think. Because they are. No, okay. you're okay. wrong. Let's, let's move along. No, um, I'm very right. Walker Zimmerman, that was a given on everything else. Makes sense. Not really anything I'm too complaining about. Um, you look at the name, I think, yeah, this is a good lineup. Not a lot of complaints on there. Um, you bring in a good point that I never even thought of with the whole team dynamic. Not a lot of players from teams that are still currently in the playoffs, which how many? There's none from the Western Conference finalists. And then, yeah, so... Castellanos, yeah, although Castellanos do we count him one. because he's technically not playing? <laughs> None of these players is going to play in the conference finals. <laughs> There's one player yeah. that's in the conference finals. And, and, and he can't he even play. play. <laughs> there should be two, technically. Yes. But one he was snubbed, so... There's only one, and even at that, there's zero because he got a red card. Uh, but other awards, and we should continue talking to Drew about this because it's his favorite player. Walker Zimmerman won the Defender of the Year. What do you think about Walker Zimmerman, Mr. Hubbard? You know, he is on a good team. Uh, I think he has a lot of good pieces around him. Uh, Nashville went through this final transition when Dave Romney, who I think was very underrated in this whole defense. I mean, he had a good, good goalkeeper behind him, good fullbacks, and uh, our best friend Dan Lovitz and Alistair Johnson. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. He went back-to-back. I think I saw it's only one of – not a lot of people go back-to-back in this award. So I think Walker is 
just viewed as this very locked down the centerpiece of Nashville's defense, which in some ways he is, but I also think there are a lot of other pieces around it. I think Dave Romney is an incredibly underrated center back, and he got hurt, which I think that kind of harmed Nashville's postseason things. Oh, they've moved some stuff around. You got guys moving in all over the place. But, yeah, I mean, he's one of the best. Um, and then when you combine his individual stats with Nashville's defensive stats, I think they were tied for, like, the least goals allowed in the season with, like, Seattle and something else. I don't remember. Maybe Red Bulls or Philadelphia, something like that. But he's a good defender on a good team. Uh, makes sense. I think I don't remember who finished in second. Um, I think Miles Robinson finished in third. But not too big of a surprise that he won it. Um, I think he's viewed as one of the best defenders in the league. And now his national team call-ups start to happen. And John Brooks kind of just, like, forgot how to play soccer there for a second. A lot of people are turning into the Walkers Interman, Miles Robinson, center back pairing, and it just showed with him winning Defender of the Year. So it doesn't not really surprise. Um, yeah, so I'm not too shocked by that. Are either of you surprised that Walker went back-to-back in Defender of the Year? No. I actually was a little bit, uh, but only because I hadn't, I hadn't really looked at the like finalist list. Like I didn't really put two and two together, like who was on the list and... Who's gonna, so when they announced him as the winner, I was like, really? I was like, there's no one better? And then I looked at the finals list, and yeah, there's no one. <laughs> there's no one better than Walker Zimmerman this year. I think I think you could make a little bit, like a very tiny bit of a case for Miles Robinson, but it, when it comes down to like just their MLS play, like Miles had a good season, but Zimmerman definitely had a better season. And so I feel like he was very deserving and the rightful winner of the award this year. What about Bruce Arena? Do you think he deserved to win Coach of the Year? What does that look, Drew? Man, he's this award. No! Yo, you cannot take away from the fact that this man broke a record. He broke no, the points he record. He did, but the talent around him is phenomenal. Is it so much a coaching award? Is it the fact they have Carly Seal, Gustavo Bo, Adam Buxa, Matt Turner, Tejon Buchanan? If, if we're going to go down this road, then we might as well talk about how managers have little to no effect on their teams in soccer, like across this the board, even in, which case, in which case there should not be a coach of the year award ever for anybody. <laughs> look, look at Man United. They're doing just fine without a manager. <laughs> My thing with this award is that when I look at coach of the year's things, I always consider who the talent around him. And I just think, man, with this team, everyone expected them to be as good, not as good as they are, expecting them to be good, not, holy crap, break the regular season points record good. But I don't know. When I think of Coach of the Year, I think of someone who didn't have a whole lot of talent, went through a lot of, you know, bumps and hurdles along the way, which the Revs did. But when you have that talented of a team, my mind leans more to the reason you're so good is because you have Heel, Bo, Buxa, Buchanan, Turner. Not because, oh my God, Bruce Serena is a footballing genius, which he is. He wins a lot. But I don't think that's what makes New England good. So I, I, I understand that argument, and I, that makes a lot of sense to me. I respect that argument for like needing, you know, like how do you do with the players you have? So my counter argument to that is, who brought in the players that helped New England become the team they are this year? So Who's their GM? Been... Who's their GM? Yes, technically uh... he should be GM of the year as well. If we're gonna, <laughs> if we're gonna, I do realize I'm go. opening I myself like up word. to that argument. But <laughs> so I, I would say, in fairness, I mean, yes, they do. They have a really talented team, absolutely. 
but it's only possible because Bruce Arena, you know, saw those guys and said, I want them on my team because I know they're going to help me build a team that's going to be extremely successful. And they were. So in that case, you know, respect, respect to that. One thing I do want to say about this award, um, and it was something Connor tweeted a few weeks ago when the finalists were announced. Uh, speaking of, the finalists were Arena, Frazier, and who was the third? Was it Schmetzer? Uh, I think it was it Schmetzer. It was Seattle. Schmetzer, yeah. yeah. Connor tweeted out that finalist list, and he said it was a shame that Wilfred Nancy was not on the list, and I agree 100%. At the same time, I still feel like Schmetzer and Frazier were deserving finalists, although Schmetzer definitely, his case for being a finalist for winning the award fell off in the kind of stretch of the season, the home stretch of the season, whereas Wilfred Nancy, you know, kept plugging along. And, you know, to Drew's point, you want to talk about a team that's not very talented, but we saw very tangible success and results and progress this year. I mean, Wilfred Nancy definitely deserves a huge shout for the work that he did with Montreal. And I mean, I'm excited for what they, hopefully they can bring in some good players because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Sorry. They have good players. Let me be more specific, like really good players. Hopefully they can bring in some stars. Uh, Who are you implying here? Montreal talking about Montreal. No, like what players, because it feels like you have somebody in mind. Oh, no, I wish. I mean, I just want them to be better. I want them to bring in cooler <laughs> oh, players, like okay. better players. I thought you knew about transfer that I did not know about. No, no, no. Oh, I, was, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I was, I was making that weird emphasis going back to the point that managers don't matter and it's actually the players, which has been proven to an extent. So, But again, that's, that's, that's a discussion for another day. But speaking of players, one more word we uh, have to talk about, and that's Justin Morrow winning Humanitarian of the Year. Can't think of a player more deserving. He is the... Is he still the president of Black Players for Change? Or has he passed that off already? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not going to comment because I'm not sure. Uh, although I have a feeling he's probably handed it off because he's technically not a player anymore. That's what I'm thinking. And I feel like... I feel like he made... That change happened earlier. Isn't... um. Is it Ameriqua who's the the president now? I feel like he's the one who's uh, taking up that leadership role. Either way, Justin Morrow is an extremely important part of Black Players for Change. Definitely one of the the main figureheads, leaders of that um, organization coming together and all those players coming together in the way that they have. So extremely deserving of the award. I don't know if you guys saw it, um, but he was doing some sort of Zoom interview and Don Garber crashed the interview. And it was really cool to see what Garber said about Morrow being like the player that MLS wants. Like MLS loves to have a player like Morrow be the face of the league, someone who is extremely amazing on and off the field and just a great, uh, just a great leader for the sport in the country, honestly, and for the league. So congrats to Morrow on winning Humanitarian of the Year. Yeah, and I think it's also important to note, like he's, Retiring not because he can't still play. He could 100% still cut it in MLS. He wanted to pursue more humanitarian work instead of playing. And I think that's commendable in and of itself because he's sacrificing his soccer career to try to better the world. And, you know, as a guy who's watched him for, what, five years, six years at this point, 
um, his impact on this city and hopefully his continued impact on the city, uh, if TFC are able to keep him around, is it can't be highlighted enough. And he's staying in the city too. He and his family are going to stay here even after he's retired. Um, but yeah, this I um, there couldn't be a more deserving winner than Justin Morrow is pretty much the bottom line, I think. Um, let's talk about another Canadian team before we get into free agents and roster decisions, because a lot of those have happened this week. Specifically, Vancouver hired a head coach. Vanny Sartini. Everybody saw this coming. Drew, you're a Vancouver Whitecaps fan, along with half of the league. What do you think about Sartini being None hired as head coach? We're still in the playoffs. We love it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, super pumped about it. He got a lot out of the team toward the end. Like you said, I think most people saw this coming. Um, I don't think anyone expected Vancouver to have the success that it did when Dos Santos left. So, yeah, not a whole lot to say about this except excited about it. Um, we saw what... Brian White did, um, and just toward the end of the season, that team really just started clicking. It was fun to watch um, so much that Connor picked him to go to the ML, go to MLS Cup, and unfortunately, it didn't work out. But still, they were hot at the right time. So, yeah, excited about it. Um, they brought in some good players. Uh, we'll talk more in a second, maybe, but they're in docs about bringing in more new good players. But whether or not that actually happens, we will see. Um, but. We, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting, Vancouver. Um, it's good times. Uh, good things going on for the Whitecaps, and dang, they need it because it's been rough for a while. But, yeah, Brian White and Ryan Gall, they really just put this team on their back between Sartini. And, yeah, exciting times ahead. Hopefully they can keep this rhythm up because they need it. It's been a rough stretch to them. And, yeah, not a whole lot to say about it, except it was pretty expected. Um, if you guys – I doubt it came as news to anyone – but, Connor, you were really high on the Whitecaps. Or do you think this is going to keep the same trend for Vancouver going up and up? Uh, there's not a ton of info to go off of on Sartini. He wasn't with the team for very long, um, but they did well under him. So I guess if they're able to continue that as the season progresses next year, I think it's a great hire. Uh, we'll see whether or not that actually progresses, but yeah, I don't know. I'm a little uncertain on it. I think it was probably the right move. It's just how long will it last, whether or not he is what he showed this season uh, is sort of the bottom line, but he's definitely diving right into the job right away because uh, it came out today, courtesy of our friend of the show, Manuel Fate, that Vancouver are currently talking to Io Akinola, who is out of a contract at the end of the year, uh, about potentially joining the club. Now, before we dive into whether or not this will happen, in order for it to happen, TFC are either A, not going to ha offer him a suitable contract, which all you have to do, according to Paul Tenorio, is offer 105% of the salary. So... That's going to happen, which means TFC are going to retain his MLS rights, which means in order for Vancouver to acquire Akinola, they would have to make a trade with TFC. With that in mind, before we dive through all of the free agents 
And by all, I mean the notable ones, and we'll each select three or one that we find most notable. What do you guys think about the Akinola to Vancouver rumors? I hope it happens. That's all I can say. <laughs> there is a whole lot, like you said, between, you know, if Toronto offers him that 105% of his contract and Toronto retains his MLS rights, which then it gets into like a whole different layer of trying to make this move actually happen. So there's a lot going on here. Um, like you said, it seems like Toronto's going to keep him. But yeah, I mean, it'd be exciting times for Vancouver, him with Ryan Gold and Brian White. That'd be a pretty exciting three to watch and who knows what he could do under Sartini I think everyone's that would be interesting right no one really thought we'd be having this conversation with a new manager for Vancouver trying to handle with Iowa but yeah it'd be fun for Vancouver um TFC I think could survive obviously they would take a hit if Akinola left but yeah it'd be exciting for Vancouver but besides that now, I'll have to say, Josh, do you have any spicy hot takes about Akinola to Vancouver? No, I mean, I don't I don't think it's going to happen either. I can't see it happening. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I would be surprised if Akinola ended up anywhere other than TFC. I don't think we can rule out a move to Europe. Uh, although with a knee injury, maybe he sticks around for a bit longer. Um I think it would be difficult for him to end up in Vancouver, but I wouldn't rule it out. I think there's potentially some sort of trade there. I saw people throwing out Lucas Cavallini. Uh, maybe if you buy him down to TAM and then include a lot of TAM on top of that, TFC would consider it. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's a difficult situation and a difficult sort of thing to navigate uh, for Vancouver and for TFC, but... We'll see where it ends up. Uh, he is not the only upcoming player out of contract. Uh, I will run through some of the notable ones quickly, and then all of us will pick out our most notable. Uh, and we'll continue with TFC, because Omar Gonzalez did not have his contract option picked up. Uh, in LA, Carlos Vela had his option actually picked up, so he's sticking in uh, with LAFC for a little while longer. Ethan Findlay is going to be a free agent. He wants to test free agency, doesn't want to stay with Minnesota, uh, wants to test the market. Lucas Sellerian signed a new three-year deal with Columbus uh, as a DP, obviously. Shane O'Neill uh, is out of a contract at the end of the year and eligible to become a free agent. He is obviously with uh, Seattle or was with Seattle. Former Seattle man Osvaldo Alonso is out of a contract who's going to be eligible to become a free agent. In New York, Sean Davis is eligible to become a free agent uh, and is out of a contract. Both Graham Zussi and Roger Espinoza are eligible to be free agents uh, out of SKC. Jonathan DeSantos heading back to LA is eligible to become a free agent. He was a DP for them, along with... Sasha Kleshstan, who is eligible to become a free agent. Uh, Robert Barich, uh, Francisco Calvo, and Alvaro Madran all had their contract options declined, which we knew about, uh, by Chicago. And the final most important and most notable one, which we all agree is the most important, Breck Shea is eligible to become a free agent. The legend that is Breck Shea. Of those players that I just listed... 
We will start with Drew. No, we'll start with Josh. Then we'll go Drew. Then we'll go me. Josh, which one have you picked as being the most notable upcoming free agent slash out of a contract slash sign new contract? Yeah, I went with Shane O'Neill from Seattle, which I know sounds kind of surprising, but he's just been such a rock for... Uh, for the team over the last couple of years, uh, the, t- the last two years that he's been with them. And he did a good job of playing with uh, Javier Arriaga, with Yaimar Gomez. So I'm a little surprised to see them let his contract run out. I haven't seen anything about them continuing negotiations or anything like that or you know, giving him a bona fide offer or whatever the technicalities of it are. So I'm a bit surprised to see him go. I mean, I feel like he's become... He's definitely flown under the radar, obviously, but he's become an important part for Seattle along that back line. And this is a defense that I believe allowed the fewest goals this past season. If not, they're in the top three. So he's he's been an important part of the defense, so I was definitely a little surprised by that. Drew, what is your most notable roster move from the past week? Yeah, I kind of went with um, the low-hanging fruit here, and I'm currently trying to see if Seattle was tied for the least amount of goals allowed so yes good defense um yeah i went with the low-hanging fruit here i went with zellerion signing a three-year deal with columbus um just because i think when you look at these moves we will really know significance of them when we find out where a lot of these guys are going to and zellerion is kind of one of the few players that we are for sure saying he's gonna be playing with the crew next season and we know how good he can be making an impact in 2020 leading to the cup and all those type of fun things so that was my big thing. Um, he's a talent that this league loves. We love watching him play when he's at his highest level. And having being able to keep a player like that is so good for Columbus and good for the league. Um, he's 29, so he's not terribly old. He's not terribly young. He's almost at that peak. So, yeah, this wasn't 2021 was not the same level as 2020, I don't think. But he's still a successful player in this league. I mean, he's been tearing it up and that. We get to see him for at least three more years or maybe – Maybe we don't, maybe we do, but that's another problem that we don't really know yet about transfers in the future. But yeah, just because we know he's for sure going to be in Columbus, we know for sure he's a good player, and we know what kind of impact he can make. Obviously, a rough season for Columbus this year, but if he can kind of help this team get it back together um, and keep pulling strings in the midfield like he did in 2020, there's no reason to think that they won't be back and competing next season. So I went was Elrion signing a new three-year deal with the crew. Connor, what was your most impactful, meaningful roster move? I went with Jonathan DeSantos because it's going to give LA Galaxy an open DP slot, uh, which will allow Greg Vanny to work with it. Uh, And I'm very interested to see what they do with it because obviously they've got Chicharito up top. Uh, Their other one I am blanking on... um, but, yeah, I'm just interested to see what they do with that open DP slot. I think it's going to open up a lot of opportunities for the LA Galaxy. And, yeah, I don't have much more else to say than that. I think it's just going to be very interesting. Uh, but we're going to take a quick ad break before diving into all of the playoff action. We'll be right back. And we're back to talk some wild MLS 
games, everything going on in the playoffs, stuff is getting weird, but in the best possible way as teams continue their postseason run and some teams get ready for 2022. So there's a lot going on, a lot of games happening, some upsets. So we'll dive right into it. And I guess first thing, out of the games, before we start really talking about them, which game was your favorite to watch? Which game surprised you the most? Which team surprised you the most? What What's your biggest takeaway from this weekend before we start getting into individual games? Okay, all of them should be this game. If it isn't, I will be shocked. But NYCFC against the New England Revolution. No. I'm How? picking the seven-seed RSL uh, stoppage time winner to break the hearts of all the Kansas Cityans. That's that was my favorite game from the weekend. Just I mean, that this was one of those rare games where as a neutral, I like jumped up screaming when Bobby Wood scored that last minute goal. Like and you know, no stake in either team, no stake in the game. So that that was my personal favorite. But I mean, good shout for NLCFC Revs. I mean, that was that's an all-time classic right there. Drew, which one did you go with? That's a great question. The only game Josh already took the game that every the other two games just broke my heart because it was my two of my fifteen favorite teams in this league. Um, I guess in my CFC, I don't want to talk about the other <laughs> one. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Let's dive into these games then, uh, and I think we should start with the one that we all hated, uh, which was obviously Nashville versus Philly because every Nashville game is boring. Oh you're the worst. You're, nope. you're not a soccer fan. I, know. <laughs> I am. I just like action instead of Nashville are a fun is. attacking team. They have been all year. No. No. Did you not even listen to the podcast last week? <laughs> I, I skim it because I have things to do. Well, there was an important part where I, have, I mentioned about how Nashville loves to concede early and then they just throw the kitchen sink at the other team, like for the rest of the game. It's fun. It's fun as hell. Okay. Well, I think they're boring. I watched this game. Begrudgingly. It sounds like the most, (laughs) the most exciting part was the shootout. And that's because Nashville had genuinely the worst performance in a shootout I have ever seen. How do you get, zero goals like what how tell me how Uh, Josh. how the the funniest part about the shootout is how i'm sitting there explaining to my family about how like penalties go in 75 percent of the time like it is clearly stacked in the favor of the person kicking the ball and then nashville proceeds to miss every single penalty so for me, it was very amusing to have to explain to my family that, you know, you should expect all of these to go in and then like none of them went in. Yeah. Other, other, sorry, other than that, I, I enjoyed, I thought I enjoyed the game. I thought it was a good game. The only, only other thing I feel like I have to add to this is that I predicted a one, one draw going to penalties. I just got the team wrong, but I, I felt really good up until Nashville started kicking the ball in pens. I was feeling really good about my prediction. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, that didn't go very well. Drew, you watched your beloved Nashville go out. How brokenhearted are you? That was so dumb. That's all I have to say about that game. That was the, like, they, man, Gary Smith, love him to death. But, dude, like, this guy, you're in a point where you're on the road hunting for a goal, possibly looking at penalty kicks. You have this nice, fresh striker you spent $8 million on, by far a club record. You bought him from Mexico, and he's just, like, chilling on the bench. Like, he hasn't done anything all year. You figure, hey, this is probably a good time. Hey, we're about to start shooting soccer balls at a goal. Literally, being a defender means nothing at this point. We should probably bring in the dude we spent $8 million to score goals. Let's do that. And instead, he brings on, like, Brian and Nunga, which no discredit to Brian, but he's not an Ake Loba. He's, I don't know, like that. I mean, give some credit to Andre Blake for making those saves, but... Like, those two, I think Walker took one. And then Alex Mule, why in the world was Alex Mule that... Why was Alex and Walker that high up the list? That's, like, the shit you pull... Stuff you pull when, like, you're playing FIFA with your friends. And you're like, hey, I'm going to put a center back. Is shooting fourth on the, the roster here. I don't get it. You have... God... Arke Loba's just sitting there doing nothing. And you have Alex Mule, who skies one. Walker Zimmerman, who skies one. And then credit, I mean, I think Hani got one saved. I forgot who the other one was saved by. But frustrating way to handle that game as far as subs and um, penalties is all I have to say. But Hani Mukhtar is the MVP. I will die on this hill. Happy to see him get a goal. What, like three goals in two playoff games now? So... He's the MVP. I thought he played really well, got that goal. But frustrating handling of subs and I think frustrating way of handling penalty takers is my take about this game. Definitely agree about um, um, the lack of subs. I thought that was extremely strange. And I can't remember who I was explaining it to. I think either my family or my friend that I was texting. But I was like, there haven't been any subs. Like extra time is going to be really slow it's gonna be a bit of a slog just because i don't think philly really made any subs up to that point either which was also strange um so i definitely agree with that what i don't agree with is the walker zimmerman penalty slander because this man has scored winning penalties multiple times in his career before getting to nashville so let's uh let's okay let's cool but, it on that a little bit. in the playoffs all right that that i do agree alex mule going up there was shocking i cannot believe <laughs> When when he kicked that like way off to the side, I was like, dude. Actually, I was in the middle of telling my family about how um, Mule and Timothy Chalamet played youth soccer together in New York, and that there's a video of them and their friend dancing to Soldier Boy when they were teenagers, when they were like twelve. So that's a fun fact for you. That you Nashville wished, wished Timothy Chalamet was taken. Honestly, that yeah. They, a, after <laughs> probably the same role. After Mule, I just looked at the subs. After Mule came in in the 105th minute, he'd been on the field for 15 minutes and he took it third because I think Walker's miss was the one that sealed it. The guy who's been on the field for 15 minutes takes the penalty kick third. Is I don't know. It's, yeah, not the best game management right there, but let's talk about a game that actually 
was a bit more entertaining. RSL against SKC. Dramatic last-minute winner from RSL. What went wrong for SKC? Um, gosh, I don't know. That, I think, RSL... Look, it's interesting because when we talk about the next game, I'm going to have, like, the totally opposite take, I think. Maybe not so much. But RSL coming into the playoffs, I think so much, especially with these one off games compared to legs and I feel like I've seen a lot of the debate about going back to legs given the penalty nonsense we've had to suffer through but that's a different conversation Barcel has done this really phenomenal job of barely speaking in the playoffs we know about Demir Krylock getting him in the last second and then just getting hot at the right time right and then obviously Colorado getting knocked out um, by Portland kind of opened the door for RSL to make a little bit of noise, not having to play the one seed. But, I mean, they've gone... They went to one of the most hostile environments that the league can do, going to Kansas City. And it was interesting because the Seattle game... I think this is really impressive on RSL because the Seattle game, right, we know that might have been the... You want to talk about boring soccer, that RSL-Seattle game, that was boring soccer. And their ability to go from, we're not going to shoot the whole game, we're going to win in penalty kicks... To, I think they're just a better team against SKC. Like, that was not a, we're not going to take a shot. We're going to pray for penalties. They went, we're going to beat you on your home field in 90 minutes. So their ability to be so flexible in different situations, it is incredibly impressive. And, yeah, RSL just beat SKC. I think 2-1 was well-deserved. Um, they're going to have another really tough one next week against Portland in Portland. But... I think RSL's ability to just be so flexible in how they play games and how they win games, especially in these one-off crapshoots of playoffs, is so important. And, man, I think we picked them to fix, like, next to last in the regular season, and now they're one win away from going to MLS Cup. This league is so dumb, but it's so good. So credit RSL. They've played two very different styles of soccer, but it's worked both times on the road in hostile environments. So... Part of me wants to say the road's done, but if you can do it to Seattle and SKC, why can you not do it to Portland? So, And uh, we're going to predict Portland uh, against RSL in a second. They did all of this without Albert Rusnak, too. That's a positive for COVID, like the day before, right? Some crazy like that? Yeah. Yeah. Who will be back for Portland? Um, but Josh, quickly, what did you think about the RSL-SKC game? Yeah, I think Drew said it best. I mean, they they went from not taking it, not attempting a single shot, to just like taking it to SKC in Kansas City. Like the whole game, they dominated possession. I mean, they looked like literally a different team. So that was, that was honestly really cool. I was extremely impressed by their ability to play two entirely different games, both on the road in the playoffs, like you guys said, missing Albert Rusnak, who is arguably their best player, if not their second best player behind Demir Krylock. So really good for them. Um, on the flip side, super disappointed in Sporting Kansas City. They were a pretty popular MLS Cup pick. They looked really good against Vancouver. And I think it's just really hard to pinpoint like what went wrong. Uh, what's really shocking is when you, th- when you s- take a step back and realize their only goal in this game came from a, a PK like that is that's really surprising you've got and they started Alan Polito and I know he wasn't 100% fit that's fine he did look about 60 minutes fit and the fact that you know they couldn't get anything going 
is frankly shocking uh, when you look at the talent that SKC have now. So just really, honestly, a really disappointing way for them to bounce out of the playoffs. And it's especially shocking with how RSL played the week before. But they weren't the only um, home team, heavily favored team, to lose their playoff game, as we saw with NYCFC and the New England Revolution. NYCFC ended up winning in penalties 5-3 after a 2-2 draw. This game was crazy. Both teams scored in the first 10 minutes and then didn't score at all for the rest of regular time. And then each of them got a goal in extra time. Tati Castellanos scored the go-ahead goal for New York City FC and then got a red card, got sent off. He's going to miss the Eastern Conference Final as a result. Um and yeah, it was just a crazy game. I didn't get to see all of it. I had a rehearsal, so I only got to see like the last 10 minutes of regular time. I got to see PKs, which was really crazy because NYCFC are not good at PKs. They never have been until now. Apparently they they were able to <laughs> able to place all of them. What were your guys' thoughts on the game? Uh, we'll probably start with Drew and then finish up with Connor and get into your previews. But what'd you guys make of this game? Also, I want to point out, I picked NYCFC to beat the revolution in my playoff bracket. So a little pat on the back for me. And then I also, in this prediction, I picked NYCFC to win an extra time, but I picked them to win three to two. So I was so close in this prediction as well. So I'm again, very proud of myself for all of that. We don't have to talk about my SKC RSL prediction. That's fine. But Drew, did you get to watch this game? What'd you make of the result? Give us the thoughts. My thought is that I don't... Being the one seed isn't an advantage in this league I was, anymore. That's an official I was just thing. about to ask. So this is obviously a big topic. They went 23 days without playing, which is ridiculous. So I'll, I'll ask this question for both of you. Would you rather have the one seed knowing that you're going to go three weeks without playing? Or would you rather finish in the second seed not get a week off, but still sort of have that home field advantage. What would you rather have? Two seed. Okay. Easy. Okay. It depends. Am I two seed in just the East or am I two seed in the league? Well, if you're two seed in the league, well, I mean, I, yeah, I guess it depends on if the one seed, like where the one seed is. Cause if the, obviously if the one seed is across the conference, or in the other conference, then you are automatically the one seed. But I do see what you're saying. I mean, in an ideal situation, it seems like, based on both of your answers, you want to be that two seed in the conference with the Supporter Shield winner while also being better than... That's probably the ideal situation. But, you know, in MLS, things are crazy enough, let alone beyond your control. (laughs) You said my exact answer for me. Uh, But in terms of this game... Uh, I don't know how NYCFC survived that. Like, they were the better team. They dominated you, you, the revolution. Did you watch that? T- those last 10 minutes? They were down to basically nine men at that point. I don't know who that 18 or 19 year old right back was who 1 million percent did his hamstring. Okay. That is one of the gutsiest performances I've ever seen. Are you from talking about player. the last 10 minutes of regular time or extra time? Extra time. Okay, so you're talking about Tavon Gray. Yes, Tavon Gray. Yeah. Well, Unbelievable. So I don't know how he did that. In actuality, this game should have never gone to extra time. 
because New York City FC had three golden chances in the final 10 minutes of regular time. And so it should have never it should have never gone to extra time. No, realistically it should. But I don't know I don't know what you guys watched, but what I watched was NYCFC on the ball the entire time, creating chance after chance after chance, and then New England would win the ball and then New York City would immediately win it back and then do the same thing all over again. So I don't know. What what did you see that Drew? Like did you see NYCFC dominate? Cuz that's that's the vibe I got. I, again, I didn't get to see the whole game, but from what I did watch, to me it felt like City was completely in control of that game. Yeah, I thought watching the game, like you said, I thought City was a better team. They deserved to get out of here with a win. I thought watching the game, I thought cuz I think in our podcast last week, we talked about how this was not going to be an easy game for the Revolution. A lot of people pick them to win it all because the regular season they had their dominance. But when you consider the weight they had, you consider NYCFC's still fresh. They're coming off. They didn't have a lot of injuries in their first-round game against Atlanta. But there was real potential here for NYCFC to knock them off. But I don't know if we thought that NYCFC was just going to demol- not demolish. That sounds like they beat them by five. But they were the better team. I thought... Truthfully, the way I thought this game was going to pan out, I thought NYCFC was going to regret those chances they missed and lose in penalty kicks to the Revolution, and that was going to kickstart the Revs MLS Cup campaign. I thought as time went on, I became more and more certain that the Revs are going to win this game, and they're going to win MLS Cup, and they're going to be like the greatest team in MLS history. But to their credit, they didn't miss any pins, got some saves, um, so... Yeah, NYCFC was a better team. The fact that it went to penalty kicks, I think, is a gift to the Revolution. But at the end of the day, the Reds just weren't able to do it. And that gets into the whole debate of they took so long off. And you, I think the Reds even scheduled a scrimmage um, in between regular season finale and playoffs. But, man, you can't you can't replicate what it's like playing in the playoffs against these talented players. Um, Castellanos is dumb. That was stupid. That might hurt him later, but... Yeah, NYCFC was a better team. Deserve to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, we will see where that goes. But yeah, they're the better team in the Revolution. I thought them going to penalty kicks was eventually going to bite them, but they fought through it, especially when you don't have literally the best goal scorer in the league this season there. Um, to not hit him on penalty kicks and to convert all five is pretty big on the road against a really good goalkeeper like Matt Turner. So... That was big for NYCFC, and they got a big one coming up. But yeah, man, getting that, getting three weeks off—that's I don't see—that's so hard to do, and didn't work out for him. I think I saw a stat like it's some crazy, like the one seed hasn't won their first playoff game. I need to pull up the exact numbers, but yeah, credit NYCFC because they beat a freaking good team in the first round. Yeah, and for the. Fourth or fifth year in a row, the Supporters' Shield winners will not go to MLS Cup or win MLS Cup. Um, last team to do that was TFC in 2017. So maybe you shouldn't want to be the one seed, as Josh was alluding to earlier. But let's do our previews slash predictions, because we're not really going to preview. We're just going to predict, because we've been going for over 71 minutes at this point. Who wants to go first for the Portland versus RSL game, which is 6.30 on Saturday night? I can go, because if I get this one right, then I win our MLS Multiplex Bracket Challenge. So, Portland wins 3-2. 3-2, okay. Josh? 
My gut says Portland 2-1, but when I start to look at the situation, no Sebastian Blanco, no Dairon Espria, RSL are adding Albert Rusnak for this game. They're obviously on fire, and if you've seen David Ochoa's comments since they beat SKC, then you can see that this man is afraid of nothing. Um, part of me kind of thinks it's going to go 1-1 and then penalties and RSL sneaks away with it, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'll go with that. I'll play it safe. I'll go 1-1, RSL wins on pens. I will go RSL 2-0 in regular time. Oh. I think getting Rusnak back is going to be huge. Or, okay, getting Rusnak back is either going to be huge for them or absolutely crush them. Yeah, it could, ru- could no ruin everything that they've been, that they've been, yeah. uh, it's been successful for them the last couple of weeks. I think it'll be a 2 nothing result. Uh, that is my prediction. Let's do Philly versus NYCFC. Sunday, 3 o'clock. Same order as before. Drew. NYCFC, 2 0. Wow. Josh. Philadelphia Union, 1 0. Uh, Philadelphia Union, 3 0. Whoa. Ooh, the beatdowns. They have no Tati Castellanos. They have no right back because I cannot see Gray playing on Sunday after what he looked like he was suffering with on the weekend or on weekend, Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Um, so I think that's a big loss. I think that is going to be massively exposed. I think Philadelphia is just going to run them into the ground. Uh, but I thought that about the last game too. So, yeah, I don't know where you think Philadelphia is getting three goals from when you have someone like Sergio Santos who's like actively keeping his team from scoring, even though he's the striker and it's his job to score. Prezilko, that's who I think will Sh- score. Shabilko? Shabilko, whatever. It should Pr- be Prezilko. Prezi Pr- 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 Bilko? Prezi Bikel? Prezi Bikel. Bilko. Wow, that is really hard to say. Yeah, I Bilko. know. Bilko. Uh, wow. Casper. We'll go with Casper, the friendly ghost. Um, let's do our goals of the week and players of the week. We're not doing games to watch because there's only two games. So you have not very much choice. Josh, you go first. Yeah, uh, <laughs> weren't a ton of goals scored like that were like bangers or anything, which is weird. But I'm going with Jack McGlynn's penalty. He's only 18, I think, and... He stepped up and just, I mean, he kind of embarrassed Joe Willis. It was a really, really well-taken pen, and Willis went entirely the other way. So very impressed by the teenager, stepping up in a big moment. I went with Collins' penalty, just because. There's, again, no goals. You're welcome. Drew, you went with an actual goal. What did you go with? I went with Bobby Wood's winner against SKC. Those kind of goals are always cool. He's able to open up his hips. It was a good one. Great story for Bobby Wood, too, a guy who struggled a whole lot this season. Uh, But I will continue the RSL theme uh, because, well, with my player to watch. Uh, But I went with Anderson Julio. I thought the second he came on, he dominated uh, and had a really, really, really big impact on that game. And he got the assist on Bobby Wood's goal all over the field. I really, really liked him in this match. Uh, So I went with Anderson Julio. Drew, we already know who you're going with. Just say it. 
Hani, money-making, most valuable player, Mukhtar. Got him one more goal over in his belt. Give him the MVP, our king. I went with Hani. Hani MVP-tar. Josh. It's not going <laughs> to yeah, we, we, we got to workshop that one a little bit. <laughs> we got to workshop it a little bit. You are... I don't know about this choice. Uh, I think I might go with the player on the opposite side of the field. But who did you go with? I went with Tati Castellanos. Uh, You're you a psychopath. Yeah, you want to talk about pure chaos. I mean, this dude did it all. Scored the go-ahead goal, got the red <laughs> card, won't even be in the final. <laughs> I mean, just a just an all-around fantastic performance. Before we move on real quick, though, I, I've been wanting to ask this question the last couple of weeks, and I keep forgetting. Drew, does anybody call him Hani Money Making Mukhtar? Is, or is that just you? We've had this conversation. Have we really? Nah. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, I forgot because part of me wants to believe that like all the interns did in like that. It's a thing in Nashville. Dan like, Lovitz calls him that. Yeah. No, no one calls him that. <laughs> <laughs> that I know of. I'll ask Dan. I'll text him. There you go. Maybe you'll create some more social content for Nashville after you've left. Maybe there's your next uh, job. Who knows? But... We've reached the end of the podcast. Uh, Josh needs to go to bed. I need to edit a podcast. And Drew probably needs to keep packing. Probably. Will I? Probably not. Will I watch <laughs> Thursday Night Football? Yes. All right. So our priorities are very in good order. Uh, we're going to skip out on the bracket because I don't want to bring that up. Uh, so, Drew, you can do the outro. Yes, as the leading bracket in our group, I will do the outro. And that's the only thing you need to know about the bracket update. But thanks yes, again. Yes, that as is always. the only thing you need to know. <laughs> yes, thanks as always for tuning in to listen. We really appreciate you guys taking time to listen to us. As always, visit the website mlsmultiplex.com. Follow the website on Twitter at mlsmultiplex. You can find us three on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Boland, and Connor at CWD Somerville. So give us a follow on social media to see takes and reactions immediately as stuff breaks. And yes, as always, leave a review on the podcast. We love hearing ways of how we can improve and how we can get better. And yes, be sure to tune in next week because we will have an MLS Cup to preview. We will have conference finals to review in the whole nine yards. So next week is going to be a super awesome episode. So be sure to tune in and we will talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.